Welcome to another episode of the OASBO podcast. I'm here today with Barbara Shainer, our advocacy specialist. Uh, Barbara, now that the budget bill is adopted, can you talk a little further about action we might expect in the legislatures in the near future? Sure, Callie. Uh, It's nice to be here this morning. Um, The legislature did pass the budget and it became effective July 1. As everyone knows, uh, school district budgets depend on that budget becoming effective immediately. There are several um, things that are more policy related that won't become effective for 90 days after the governor signed the bill. So that will be the end of September. But in the meantime, uh, the House actually came back into session the first part of July because, as you probably all have uh, have heard, the governor vetoed 47 different items in the budget bill. If there's an appropriation bill, the governor has line item veto authority. However, the legislature has enough votes in the majority party uh, to be able to override a Uh, line uh, veto. So the legislature did come back in the House only though and the House overrode 11 different vetoes that the governor had made uh, to the budget bill. There were a few education provisions that we had actually requested that they override but they haven't done that. Um, When they left the day that they were in they said they wanted to reserve the right to come back and they might possibly override some future uh, or some vetoes in the future. Now, the process would be that the House would have to take action because the bill originated in their chamber. Then the Senate would have to take action as well. So all of the veto overrides start in the House and then the, the Senate would have to act. So the Senate has not come back in, Callie. It's kind of interesting that they've just stayed uh, away for the summer so far. So we don't know if they're going to come back and um, and vote on the same overrides that the House had done. And we don't know if the House is going to do it. They have until the end of this General General Assembly, which is the end of 2018. Um, there, ha- there are a couple other things that have come up just this week, though. I'll add to um, my answer to your first question. Uh, the Speaker of the House has appointed a task force on, edu- on education and poverty. So that is something we're very interested in. Um, OASBO and the other education management organizations have been talking for some time about the need to find solutions for the gap, uh, the achievement gap between those who are economically disadvantaged and those who come from wealthier backgrounds. So we hope that this task force actually does come up with some good research and maybe some things that the legislature can act on uh, when it comes to providing resources and solutions for that problem. Um, the other thing that we've probably talked about a little bit through some of our communications in the past is the fact that the Auditor of State has been working on possible legislation that would govern a little bit more closely um, the use of credit cards from um, local, by local governments. And it's my understanding that today, later today, there's actually going to be a press conference introducing a bill. And so when that comes out, we will certainly let folks know. Uh, but you can be assured that since the uh, auditor had proposed his first uh, iteration of 
new legislation on this issue, the OASBO Auditor of State Advisory Committee has been weighing in, and so we're now, I think the last version of the bill that we saw was maybe version 7, so they have made changes based on the feedback. And so once this starts in, through the legislative process, we will want members to maybe come in and testify and certainly contact their legislators about this bill. So that's uh, going to be announced today. And the Speaker's Task Force on Education and Poverty, uh, that group meets already tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So we'll be in attendance for that and keep an eye on what's happening there. So what about some non-funding, little-discussed budget items um, that OASBO members would want to hear about? Well, Callie, there are two or three that I think we might have reported on, but they haven't been emphasized. You know, the budget bill is about a 5,000-page bill, So, uh, and we focus quite a bit on the funding portions, but the legislature has um, of late been putting a lot of policy changes in the budget bill because it's much easier to get it through uh, in a bill that most people are going to vote for versus trying to have standalone bills on every issue. So, um, you know, that can be good and it can be bad. It depends on your perspective. So the one thing that people may not be aware of is the fact that when SERS had proposed changes to the cost of living adjustment for retirees, they had two standalone bills introduced, one in the House and one in the Senate. And there had been some hearings in the legislature on those bills. But when the Senate uh, adopted their version of the budget, they actually included the COLA changes in the budget bill. So the... um, It won't be effective for 90 days after the governor signed the bill, but the SERS board now has the authority to adjust the COLA or to even um, take away the COLA, and so their proposal uh, will likely continue as it had been proposed, meaning when retirees um, when someone retires, there will, it will be a three-year wait before on the fourth year you would um, realize a COLA. And then the existing retirees are going to be, the, the COLA is going to be suspended for three years. So that, I believe, will happen because the legislature gave the SERS board authority to do that in the budget bill. The other thing that Uh, might be of interest is something that we, OASBO, actually worked on and pushed for. Um, The issue that we've been seeing with the treasurers being investigated for paying employees who were not properly credentialed, uh, it has become uh, a much more hot topic for us here at the organization. Uh, And so one of the things that we've noticed is that some folks were in trouble, I guess, if you want to say it that way, uh, for paying substitute educational aides who didn't have the educational aid credential. And I think that maybe that happened in some cases because the district didn't realize that because they were a sub, even though they were a substitute, they still had to have the permit. So the, the bill um, includes a provision that a superintendent can hire someone. They have to be Uh, They have to start going through the application process for becoming credentialed, 
but the treasurer then would be permitted to pay that person while that is pending. And so it, it actually gives us a little bit of a clarification that yes, they do need this credential, but also there's a time uh, window when they can go ahead and work as long as they've been um, they've applied for the application or applied for the for the permit. So we think that's a positive change. And again, that was something that we asked for and uh, were successful in. Uh, the the final thing I'll just mention today, um, and you know we have a lot of information that we've already put out, but you know we'll be having the budget analysis and discussion seminar on August 14th, which will do a great you know much bigger bigger dive. But the other thing I'll mention today is the auxiliary services funding. Um, so private schools that are non-religious or they're not affiliated with a, a religion. Uh, those private schools will have the ability to, uh, and actually they will receive the funding for auxiliary services directly. And that's a change because um, right now, and, and it will be still be the case for religious schools, the school district where the, the private school is located gets those funds and then authorizes how, what those funds are used for. And so now those non-religious private schools will be getting that money directly from the state. There are a few implications and a few questions that we still have about that. First of all, the, the district obviously will no longer be receiving a fee uh, for the use of those funds. And secondly, um, there are going to be some things that have to be worked out and we'll be relying on the Department of Education to say how that's going to work because there may be employees that districts have that are considered district employees but they're paid for by those funds and so there will be a transition period that will have to take place and uh, there will have to be decisions made about what to do with those employees. So the other thing is in talking with the Department of Education this provision will not be effective until the end of September. So they have a little bit of time and hopefully they'll put out some guidance. Uh, moving forward, what should OASBO members be watching for from a, an advocacy perspective? Well, Callie, I'll mention one thing that uh, is just kind of a bit of news that's not really advocacy related, but that uh, it's a follow-up to the budget discussion, and that is that we've been told that ODE is planning to begin to make payments uh, to districts with the updated data based on the budget bill in the first payment in October. So um, right now, people are, districts are being paid based on the previous law, and it's obviously just estimates. So come October, you should see a transition then to what's actually going to be your funding for the year based on the budget. There will be some items possibly that they'll put online sooner, but they aren't promising anything until the first payment in October. But as far as looking forward uh, uh, from an advocacy perspective, obviously we'll want to keep an eye on that um, Task Force on Education and Poverty. Um, we want to keep talking to legislators about the things that we want them to override as far as the vetoes. Uh, but some other things we want to watch that are maybe more big picture are how the state revenues are performing. You know, we've had several uh, issues during the budget process where uh, revenues were adjusted down in terms of project projections for the biennium. 
And so we'll be watching to see if they come in as projected or if things get worse. We're hopeful that things maybe would get better and um, the outlook would be maybe even better than what we're seeing in the budget bill. But the trend has been that revenues have been down. The other thing that will be interesting over the next few months is the race for uh, governor for next year. And we're already seeing a number of candidates from both parties uh, put their hat in the ring and the debates are already really starting. We're hearing about different presentations that the candidates are making to uh, different organizations. And of course, um, that's something that we'll wanna watch because obviously whoever becomes the next governor will um, be crucial to our education policy in the state. So with OASBO along with the other education organizations, um, we're going to be putting together some um, information for all the candidates uh, related to education and maybe some questions that we want to ask them uh, so that we can both inform them about our issues and maybe get some information for our members. Well, thanks for joining us again, Barbara, and uh, we look forward to our next conversation with you. Thank you.